it's Joanne or is it Joan? J O A N N E. I think it's Joanne. Joanne. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Jolene, 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 Jolene. You cried out tonight, <laughs> baby. No, please don't take my Mac. Asshole Court is a bi weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not so scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11 and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. When you think of the telephone, you think of Alexander Graham Bell. When you think of the automobile, you think Henry Ford. When you think of the light bulb, you think of Thomas Edison. When you think of adult movie theaters, you think Pee Wee Herman. And when you think of the personal computer or the smartphone, you probably think of the subject of today's show, Steve Jobs. No, he didn't invent the personal computer or the smartphone, but he is so synonymous with these life-altering inventions that 100 years from now, kids in school will likely be talking of him the way we talk of Edison or Ford or Robert Fulton or Pee Wee Herman beating off in some sad, musty Florida porno theater. But the question today isn't whether Steve Jobs had an impact in the world. That fact is undeniable. Hell, reach in your pockets now and you probably got an iPhone. Or maybe you're listening to this on your Apple AirPods or on the speakers of your Mac. Maybe you're checking the time on your Apple Watch, calculating how many seconds it'll take me to again mention the fact that Pee Wee Herman was arrested for publicly masturbating on July 26, 1991. It's 17 seconds, by the way. But let's be honest. As incredible a designer and business leader as Steve Jobs was, he also had a reputation for being a bit of a dick. And today we're going to dig into Steve's history to see if this reputation is well-earned or if, in fact, it's all a big nothing burger built up by legions of Apple haters. So turn up the volume on your AirPods, turn off that Pixar movie you're watching, forgive Paul Rubens for being a horny adult in a time without internet porn, and get ready to take a bite out of this Applicious episode of Asshole Court. AHC Nation, we want to give a shout out to Jenny from Grand Rapids. So Jenny is going through a pretty tough time right now, and uh, she reached out to us to just let us know that we're part of the uplifting part of things in her journey, and uh, we appreciate her reaching out to us. Absolutely appreciate her support for our show, and that uh, we do give her good laughs. So Jenny from Grand Rapids, this one's for you. We appreciate you, and uh, we hope to get good news from you soon. Absolutely. We know uh, Jenny's a super fan. She's been with us for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's been hitting us up for a while. So uh, big love out to you. And uh, we just uh, we're here for you. All right. Absolutely. Now, we also wanted to uh, give a shout out for the people who suggested this show. Uh, Randy, who was on that list? That's right. From Reddit. 
It was motherfucking Chungus. Motherfucking Chungus. <laughs> motherfucking Chungus. Hit us up. <laughs> Hold on. Motherfucking Chungus? What's a Chungus? I think uh, I looked it up because I kept seeing Chungus on the internet all the time. Oh, and, right. And Sweet. I, I was wondering. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, what is Chungus? Because I always referred to like, uh, there's like a big boy. I'm a big old Chungus. And then uh, it actually is, I, I, I think... Is when uh, an old Bugs Bunny cartoon when you had Big Fat Bugs Bunny. Who <laughs> I remember Big yeah. Fat Bugs Bunny. Chungus. Chungus. Yeah, Chungus. <laughs> That's his go. alter ego. Yeah, yeah. motherfucking Chungus. <laughs> what up, Chungus. Boy? Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, we had the Urban Cowboy Jackson Bennett. Yeah. On uh, Instagram. Also yeah. suggest this. Yeah. He's nice. not an Urban Cowboy. I made that up. It just sounds like a very urban cowboys yeah he's recording an album right now jackson bennett right now is about to record about some blue jeans and some uh, beer drinking in a pale moonlight uh hey we appreciate you jackson no 100 thank you brother it was a great great show uh topic so appreciate it for sure yeah thank you so before we get started i just want to thank everybody for tuning in all the time and being supportive of us and also uh want to remind you guys that sometimes those five-star reviews really do help us so kick on in there and give us that shit bro Please do. No, but thank you, everybody who has done. We've seen a big tick up here lately, and uh, it's much appreciated. Yeah, because the Apple podcast rating system depends on five-star reviews to get us up there. Thanks, Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> nice little tie-in there. That's nice it. little segue. That's it. All right, so let's get preliminary scores for Steve Jobs. Randy, what do you got? Well, Buddy stole my uh, outfit idea for the show. Mm. Buddy went all black. Mm. Um and I think in probably reference to the show topic today. I, I do, but I, I normally dress in a lot of black, too. It's kind of got that, you know, Johnny Cash, Steve Jobs mm. thing going. One of my coworkers was rocking a black turtleneck, and I called her all day either a mime or Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't own a black turtleneck. No, so, no. Yeah. Neither do Turtlenecks I. Turtlenecks are awful. So it kind of leads into my Steve Jobs thoughts comes across as super pretentious right mm -hmm. that was one thing i always thought about this guy is just the vibe that he gave and kind of the way he ran operations seemed very pretentious almost like he knew he was a next level human being mm -hmm. um but you don't have to i guess act that way or come across that way so off the rip like the the overall visual of him not a huge fan technological wise like i'm an iphone guy mm -hmm. i've got airpods all the mm -hmm. i like apple not so much Macs, computers mm -hmm. but I like Apple. Um, yeah, the way it just syncs with everything, like yeah. it just connects across everything. It, it's, it, in my opinion, is the superior yeah. device. So yeah, for ease of use, it's where it's at. But anyway, so kind of more about the man. I'm going to be real interested to learn about his personal life, mm -hmm. right? Because <clears throat> mostly what you hear is business related. The dude started was one of the two to start Apple. I mean, sure. so everything you're going to kind of hear is around that. But he's a, a human being. But I'm interested to see kind of. Behind the curtain, what uh, what we'll learn today. So off the rip, um, we say the average person again is a four or five. I'm gonna give Steve Jobs starting off like a six. Okay, right. <clears throat> I feel like he's probably just a little bit on the higher spectrum of a normal dude. Okay, yep. solid, buddy. What you got? All right. So for me, um, you know, I've heard the rumors about Steve Jobs and him, you know, flying off the handle at work, getting fired from other job or from companies he started. So I know that he is a a, a bit of a wild card. You know, is that him just having strong opinions about what should happen or is that him actually being an asshole in the process? So 
also for me, you know, I'm coming from Blockbuster University. I remember watching the movie that um the shitty Ashton Kutcher one or yeah. the very good other one. No, the was, shitty Ashton Kutcher oh, one. Yeah, impossible. You know, so I'm interested. It was called like Apple's Dick or something. I don't know. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it was awful. And I I wanted to tackle Ashton Kutcher and be like, stop acting. Enjoy that money and just go the fuck away. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see the other one that was very good. What was the other one? It had uh, I can't remember his name, but it had um, Kate Winslet. She uh-huh. was in it as well. Okay. And uh, Sam Mendes directed. I think it was very good though. Okay. And Seth Rogen played was uh, Wozniak. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, that's what I'm interested to see is, you know, from what I've seen on the screen, how does that really translate into real life? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm interested to see how this show plays out. But I will say off of the rip, just based off of the, the movie that I saw and a little bit of just uh, what I do know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a little bit higher than Randy. I'm going to put him up at a 6.75. Okay. And uh, I have a feeling he's probably going to go up by the end of the show, but okay. we'll see. Don't ruin the ending. Mikey, what do you think? <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I've, I've, even when Steve Jobs is like this legend that everybody's like, he is incredible. I've always, he's always pissed me off. He's always irritated me. There's always something about him. It is somewhat like, like you were saying, Randy, like there's something smarmy about this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like he has um, a face you want to punch. Yeah. He's just, I'm like, I get it, dude. It's whatever. So I knew some of the background stuff on him anyway. So I didn't, I didn't like him. Um, I am a recent Apple convert and I will admit that I think it's because of the, just the network effect because everybody's on Apple that it's just it's it's superior here in the states because it just makes life easier. Um, the products are good; they're crazy expensive, but they're they're good products. And so but this isn't about Apple. This is about Steve Jobs, and uh, I think he's an asshole. Uh, so I'm going to start him off with a six point five. All right, with a six point oh from Randy, a six point seven five from Buddy, and a six point five from Mikey. Steve Jobs pre-show asshole score is a six point four. Okay, six point four for old right. Stevie Jobs. Where's that put him at, Randy? 6.4 pre-show. He is just above Nancy Grace and just below Billy McFarland. Okay. Uh, I think he needs to get up a little bit higher on that scale, but we'll see what happens. We're going to find out. All right. Cardi B territory. (laughs) Cardi B and Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, why don't you just go be a stripper? (laughs) Um, Okay. You guys ready to uh, do this thing? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's think different. Oh, yes. Genius. (laughs) Welcome to the Genius Bar. (laughs) All right. On February 24th, 1955, in a government lab at Area 51, a product designing machine was created in a test tube named Steve Jobs, issued a black turtleneck, mom jeans, chunky New Balance sneakers, and released upon an unsuspecting world. Uh, It makes so much sense. That's it. Obviously, that's not true, but to hear it from some Apple cultist, it certainly feels like a reasonable origination story. Actually, the truth is that Steve Jobs was born in San Francisco to Abdul Fattah Jandali and Joanne Scheibel. His father, Abdul Fattah, had grown up in Holmes, uh, Syria, but had come to America to pursue an academic career. It was as a doctoral candidate that Abdul Fattah met Joanne. She was a student in a class where he was a teaching assistant. He tells Joanne to stay after class one day, one thing led to another, and before you know it, Abdul Fattah is clapping Joanne's cheeks on the desk and creating little Steve. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but I'm choosing to use artistic license here. It doesn't really matter how it happened. I suppose just know that it did. Actually, for those that, that are actually really interested, uh, it appears that little Steve was actually conceived on a trip back to home Syria. Anyway, 
Now, <laughs> pretty unsurprisingly, in 1955, Joanne's parents weren't exactly stoked about the idea of her getting knocked up by a non-white dude. So that's what I, I was thinking. It, this is the 50s. 55. 54. 54. In this San guy Francisco, was, it's a probably a little bit more... Um, well, yeah, I don't know if that they were her parents were from San Francisco, okay. though. I don't know where yeah. they're from. Even yeah. being a very progressive city, mm-hmm. that's pretty progressive. A Syrian dude and this chick hooking up. Yeah. 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 You see a whole lot of that. Yeah. And they definitely weren't happy about it being that he's an Arab Muslim. I mean, an Italian, maybe. An Irishman, <laughs> they could probably live with that. But I mean, an Arab Muslim, even with a PhD, that's almost as bad as a black guy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, <laughs> that's literally probably what the thought process is back then, dude. They threatened to cut Joanne off if she remained in the relationship. And perhaps sensing this, Joanne split, leaving Abdul Fattah behind, and went to San Francisco to give birth to little Steve. Apparently, Abdul Fattah didn't even know that she had given birth when it happened, so she just split on this dude. Oh, she just broke up with him and, like, Mm -hmm. took off. Didn't even break up with him. Apparently, she just left. He said he had no idea. She just left one day, and then that was pretty much it. That's what he says. I don't know how true that is. Left from Syria and went back to San Francisco. I think that's right. Wow. Man. Yeah, Steve Jobs was actually born Abdul Latif Jindali. At least that's according to a family member, like a close family member. And of course, because Joanne's parents considering little Abdul to be at least half Islamic hellspawn, Joanne immediately put him up for adoption. She sought out adoptive parents that were, quote, Catholic, well-educated, and wealthy. And she found a couple, an amazing couple, well-educated, rich as fuck, and so Catholic that they'd attend confession just for farting in an elevator. <laughs> Trouble is, this couple changed their mind. Who knows why? Maybe they found out that they were about to adopt a baby named Abdul, and that didn't sit well with them. Either way, they back out. Luckily, another couple step in to adopt. That's Paul and Clara Jobs. But neither Paul nor Clara had college educations, and Joanne wasn't about that shit. She stepped in and attempted to find another couple, but ultimately, Paul and Clara promise that they will pay for the child's college education, and Joanne acquiesces. Yeah. It's wow. Just, uh, it's wild how the system's changed, right? Like, mm-hmm. you put your kid up for adoption, usually you'll be grateful for just a loving family to mm-hmm. take it. But back then, it was more almost like the dowry, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, very transactional. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Know? What do they bring to the table to take this child yeah. in? Yeah. Nowadays, you don't even, don't even see the kid, probably. Maybe. <sighs> I don't know. wild, yeah. Never put up a kid for adoption. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like it's really tough to get a kid, too, man. I mean, oh, yeah. They do a home inspection. They interview you. You got to do a whole bunch of financial. I'm surprised there's not a reality TV show about this. Nah, that shit's sad, I bet. (laughs) For real. Intervention's pretty fucking sad. This is true. Yeah. The lead lead up is much more entertaining than, (laughs) yeah. Like, you know, bad kid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And plus, (laughs) if you don't know, and then all of a sudden one day you're like, on Netflix in the year 2040, <laughs> you just tune in. You're like, wait a second. That's my That's, fucking parents. What are they doing? Wait, I'm not your real kid. <laughs> well, we were going to keep that a secret until A&E went and fucked it up for us. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> so anyways, they changed Abdul's name to Steve Jobs. Now, as much as Paul and Claire wanted little Steve and were happy to have him, Joanne's initial effort to keep them from the adoption took its toll on them. Clara would admit that for the first six months, she was afraid to fully love the baby for fear of having him taken away from them again. God, that's a fucked up thing right mm-hmm. there. Like, well, it's like trying you, to bond. Well, yeah, yeah. You, but you don't want to get too attached because you know something could happen. Certainly. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it didn't help that even at a very young age, little Steve was a pain in the ass. 
Claire also admitted that he was such a little shit that she, at times, wanted to return him. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Wow. The return policy is a little difficult. No, it's not. This it's isn't not, Kmart. I was going to say, this isn't Macy's. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. We're already past the 30 days. It's the L.L. Uh, Bean policy. You can return them <laughs> even 30 years later. This one's coming back, man. I need the new model. I need a new one. Anyways, Paul, uh, Paul Jobs was a machinist, and perhaps in an effort to bond over his love of mechanics, he built little Steve a workbench in the garage. Steve took a shine to it and also developed a fascination with electronics. Uh, and Steve was like a fairly precocious kid, uh, and he didn't make a lot of friends his own age. So here's the difference between me and Steve Jobs. So Steve had his own workbench in his dad's shop where he would, like you said, work on stuff and get into electronics. Yeah. So my dad had a workshop downstairs, a lot of, he had what was called a shopsmith, had a couple different saws and a sander. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to make something. Yeah. And wound up uh, running my hand through the power sander. That'll end it real quick. Oh, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Strip the I, skin right off. I broke my middle finger. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it's never been right. Shredded my hand Is all Is that up. the one that's, they have a little, no, no that's, that's a different one. The, uh, yeah. Softball, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good with things either. I remember when I started trying to shape surfboards and I bought a belt sander and I, no shit, literally the first time I ever used it, I ran over the cord. And <laughs> 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 it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, Mikey's, Mikey's not tool time. No, man, <laughs> I am not Tim Taylor. I'm not a handy guy. Me, actually, me and Randy, when we were going to go on a road trip up to, I think it was New York or something, and we had we had to get new wipers for his car. And you should watch me and Randy out there in the parking lot at AutoZone for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's fucking Larry and Balky trying to figure out how to put... I was like, dude, we're not, like, I feel like not like a real man. <laughs> it took us a minute. And we got it, though. The yeah. employees inside are just watching, laughing oh, their yeah. asses uh-huh. off. Hey, look it at these raining. dumb motherfuckers. Yeah. It was raining. We didn't have a choice. Yeah. Anyways, Steve Jobs had a difficult time in school, both socially and academically. He was suspended a number of times, and Paul, his dad, was ahead of the curve in the coddling parent game, and instead of reprimanding Steve for his behavior, he blamed the school for being a boring place for his genius-ass son. Yeah, well, denial right off the rip, you know. I mean, that's the worst approach to take, I think, possible. It happens a lot, too. They're like, he's just so smart, he's so bored. They did that to me when I was a kid. They, I remember them, like, they were, like, feeding me answers. They're like, so, are you just bored? And I was like... Yeah, yep. that's yep. definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so smart. I just, I don't know. I'd rather just draw pictures of dicks and shit. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that could probably, or like the way he, he he handled the school situation could probably be attributed to Paul's allegedly abusive childhood. And that caused him to take like a really soft stance with Steve, you know. Yeah, didn't want to do didn't want to, to his son what his parents had done Which to him. is pretty admirable because, honestly, a lot of times, you know, abuse sort of carries on through generations. So he was just like, hard stop. I'm going to go, like, overcorrect. Right. Yeah. But, you know, as far as Steve being a genius, maybe there is something to that claim because the school attempted to advance him two grades ahead of schedule. They were going to send him to middle school, like, as, like, basically a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old. Oh, wow. And that, things get weird when you start doing two grades if you mm-hmm. wind up skipping two grades because you skip one. Like you can, and Mikey, you were on the younger end. I was of the youngest one in our class. Yeah, yeah. by, by far. Yeah. yeah, if you'd have been a year younger, and in, in our, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, just physically too. When you're in like middle school, yeah. Oh, physically, it's a big difference. Oh, like 100%. kids start to hit puberty. Like you'll get kids that are 
I mean, you look at me like you're 13. Oh yeah, I know it's true. It was very strange. Like, I mean, I never had any issues, but I definitely, I you know, I was I was young as fuck. I was totally immature emotionally, especially by the time I got to high school. I didn't really know how to deal with that shit. And there was a point where they wanted to advance me a grade, and my parents were like, "No." And thank God they said that because yeah, I I wasn't. That's why I ended up graduating at 18 anyways because (laughs) I, I redshirted hard my senior year. I didn't know how to deal with it, so. I don't know. And his parents sort of do the same thing. Like they don't, they won't let him move up two grades, but they let him move up one. Sure. He skips fifth grade and he goes straight into junior high at Crittenden Middle School. It does not go well. Little Steve is bullied and by seventh grade he is despondent. He tells his parents that either they take him out of Crittenden or he will drop out of school entirely. Paul and Clara sit him down. They tell him that although they understand that he's struggling in life, sometimes you have to find a way to get through like difficult situations. They can't simply move their entire lives because he had a rough year in middle school. I mean, it's middle school. It's basically hell on earth. <laughs> he needs to find a way through. All right. So I'm glad they took that more hardline stance. No, I'm totally joking. They sell their house <laughs> and use all of their savings to purchase another home in Cupertino, California. Wow. Wow, yeah. Dad was like, all right, we just got to do this. Like, <laughs> That's it. He's not going to get beat up there. He's not going to get beat up by me. That's nah, right. dude. Middle school, middle school and high school, people either loved it or hated it. Yeah, I lo- High school was great. High school was great because it felt like you just found your group of friends and there wasn't there wasn't like a, a, a like an entrenched hierarchy like there was in middle school where middle school felt very much like, OK, like I would sit there and think, like, how popular am I? Like, yeah. are these clothes cool enough? Like, yeah. I, And you're really trying hard. And it's like as awkward as it could possibly be. Oh, yeah. You, know, you look like weird. a dipshit. I had glasses that were too big for my head because I had a tiny head. I was yeah. younger than everybody. I was like smart, but also wanted to be cool. You know what I'm saying? And like, no such thing. No, no, not not at that time. <laughs> not at that time. It wasn't, you know, for sure. But um, I hated middle school. That's what the funniest thing I ever heard was like Adam Carolla was talking about. He's like, instead of middle school, he's like, you just heard a whole bunch of 11 to 14 year olds into a gym, make fun of them for three years and then move them directly into high school. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it's true, dude. It's, it's about just, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hands up. Give me all your money. Well, enough money for a cheeseburger from the value menu, at least. We are now live on Patreon. Find us there at patreon.com slash podcast to get all the latest episodes of Conspiracy Court, ad-free shows, shout-outs, stickers, and a whole lot more. It would be a crime if you didn't. Big thanks to all our fans, and we appreciate all your support. Let's dive back into the action. And Cupertino, at the age of 13, young Steve decides to cold call some people to ask for like electronic parts. Because remember, he's all into this electronic mm-hmm. shit. One of these people uh, that he reaches out to is none other than Bill Hewlett. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hewlett is impressed and gives him his first summer job. And it's just kind of indicative of how small and insular the tech world is at this time. That, like a kid can reach out to the head of HP for parts and get a job. <laughs> Come and, be like, an intern. Come on. Well, and it's not even that odd of a story. Like if you read like uh, or if you spend some time reading about like Silicon Valley in the 50s and 60s and shit, it was like very much like just neighbors. You know what I'm saying? Huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a bunch of really cool stories like that. Everybody hey, would, Bill down the street's got an idea. Sounded pretty good. Yeah. Like Bill Gates and all those guys would get access to computers and shit like that. It's, it's sort of fascinating because it's so dominant now in such a huge industry. At the time, those dudes were like, a lot of them were just like hobbyists. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah, doing it out of their garages and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, it's also around this time that Steve begins attending Homestead High School and is introduced to Steve Wozniak by a mutual friend. This relationship would prove to be monumentally important, but we'll get back to that in just a little bit. Around his junior year, Steve becomes interested in things outside of mechanics and electronics. 
As Jobs himself put it, quote, I got stoned for the first time. Uh, I discovered Shakespeare, Dylan Thomas, and all that classic stuff. I read Moby Dick and went back as a junior taking creative writing classes. I started to listen to music a whole lot, and I started to read more outside of just science and technology. Shakespeare, Plato, I loved King Lear. When I was a senior, I had this phenomenal AP English class. The teacher was this guy who looked like Ernest Hemingway. He took a bunch of us snowshoeing in Yosemite. That isn't to say that Jobs didn't remain interested in electronics, because he certainly was. In fact, it was around this time that his friend Wozniak develops a low-cost blue box. For those of you unfamiliar with the blue box, it was a device that could mimic the tones used by phone companies to access phone networks for free. Basically, back in the analog days of telecommunications, an engineer would call in and play a sound into the receiver, which would basically unlock the network and allow them to call wherever in the world they needed to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And you remember back in the day, some folks used to have the descramblers, mm-hmm. uh huh, where you could get satellite TV. I think it yeah. was, yeah, sure. Yeah. It was like that for the phone system. It would just make it like, and then they would open up. They were called freakers, like PH phone freakers or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Wozniak made a cheap device that anyone could use to hack in, uh, like an AT and T engineer, and make free long distance calls anywhere on the globe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Jobs sees a business opportunity, and they begin making and selling the the devices and splitting the profits. That can't be illegal. Oh, it's definitely not. (laughs) And they said said it took about six six months to figure out how to, like, mass produce it so they could, or not mass produce it, but produce them enough where they could sell them and stuff like that. Um, and it's actually pretty cool. And then yeah. what do you like put an ad out in Playboy or something like no, that? No, it was all it was all just like local conversation. Like, hey, yeah. I know these guys that can get this or whatever. Remember, like we were talking about earlier with like Silicon Valley, all these dudes are basically hobbyists. So everybody yeah. sort of knows people and you know, it's sort of like that. Okay. But as Jobs put it, had it not been for Wozniak's blue boxes, there wouldn't have been an apple. Mm. It's also around this time, his senior year in high school, that Jobs starts taking acid for the first time. Jobs later recalled that on one occasion, he consumed it in a wheat field outside Sunnyvale and experienced, quote, the most wonderful feeling of my life up to that point. Huh. I guess, yeah, you, got, you know, having the creative mind to get where he got, mm-hmm. you know, the idea for a lot of stuff, because it's crazy. The stuff you see, I, I just often think about the Apple Watch, right? Sure. It is the Dick Tracy watch that we mm-hmm. saw 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Sure. You know, just have that kind of next level thinking as to what people are going to want. And yeah. and he kind of went all in. Like, he would put it out and there's going to be a lot of criticism. Always is. But, he's, you know, they would stick by their products and yeah. I'll be damned if they haven't just caught on. I mean, it's hotter than wildfire. I mean, yeah, I, of course. I don't even, I don't know what their market share is worldwide for phones, but. Oh, it's massive. It's actually bigger in, like, in the U.S. It's entirely dominant. Uh, outside of the U.S., it's not as dominant, but I think it's because it's a cost issue mostly. That's exactly what it is, and a lot of the countries have import taxes mm-hmm. on the products and stuff like that that yeah. just make it wildly unavailable. In, in other countries, it's the like wealthy elites that have the iPhones. Sure, but obviously not like if you're living in like a third world country or whatever. It's it's tough to cough up eight hundred bucks for a phone. You yeah, know exactly. Yeah. Or everybody's running off of like iPhone 3Gs and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, you yeah. know, versus having the new iPhone 12 or 13, whatever. Right. Uh, at the end of his senior year, Steve decides that he wants to attend Reed College, an expensive liberal arts school in Portland. Uh, his parents are not rich, and the school is significantly more expensive than the California state schools, which at the time are practically free. Like at the time in California, you could go to state school for free pretty much. Dude, state school back in the 70s was awesome. Yeah. Man. So like, why is he trying to go to an expensive out of state school? He's trying to be a dick. Well, that's the thing. Again, his parents sit him down and they explain to him that it isn't practical and that although they promise to pay for his college tuition, he needs to meet them halfway. 
I'm totally kidding. They totally cave, cough up the cash that they have, and drive little Steve up to Portland to help him settle in. He pays back his parents by completely ignoring them when they drop him off. <laughs> oh, he, really? He didn't thank them for their sacrifices. He didn't even say goodbye. He simply got out of the car and walked away. He didn't call or anything. Ouch. Ouch. But, but he does make it up to them by buckling down and graduating summa cum laude. Just kidding. He drops out after the first semester and doesn't bother to even tell his parents. No Son shit. of a bitch. Now, Jobs would later claim that he dropped out because he didn't want to waste his parents' money on an education that seemed meaningless to him. But there are two things that make me call bullshit on this excuse. First, Steve's behavior as a total dick-suck to his adoring and supportive parents up to this point makes me doubt that he gave a shit about their money. And second, he continues to attend classes just without getting, you know, credit for it. So I guess the education wasn't totally meaningless then. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's fucked up, man. He audits classes like calligraphy, which he would later give credit for inspiring him to create font options and proper spacing for the Macintosh. So that's kind of interesting, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, like, what is this? The needle in the haystack versus everybody else that would do the same thing? You know, like... I just, like I said, he's he's a weird dude. He's a fucking weird dude. Like, to audit a calligraphy class? Like, I don't know, man. Uh, at this point, Steve is effectively homeless. He's crashing on friends' couches and floors and eating at Hare Krishna temples when they offer free meals. He collects glass bottles for income. He starts with his wild diets. Sometimes vegetarian, sometimes full vegan, and even fruitarian. A diet which literally only is like fruits and nuts. Like anything that is basically a plant will give without you having to kill the plant is like what a fruitarian eats. So sometimes oh, wow. he would narrow it down to like one item for extended periods of time, like just apples or just carrots. Wow. No, wow. That's kind of crazy. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. I mean, I guess the mindset behind all that, you, I guess you'll never know, right? Like, well, yeah. why you would switch so many times. I guess the vegan thing you get. Right. Obviously, you know, well, yeah, health more, was, I mean, like choice or I, and I know that like health was a big role in his life. And he even like on his deathbed made some kind of comment about if there's like five things that you should know. And one of them is, is something along the lines of like, choose what you eat as medicine. Otherwise, you'll be taking medicine for what you eat yeah. all of your life and something like that. And well, I, that's why I visit Dr. Big Mac once a week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It keeps my colon right until I'm about 55. <laughs> I guess. But you know what? I'm dying with the delicious burger, okay? Like, it's whatever. Honestly, there was an interesting thing uh, talking about that shitty Ashton Kutcher movie Mm -hmm. where, because Ashton Kutcher's a shitty actor, but he was going to go full method and try to do the fruitarian diet while he was training to be Steve Jobs. Oh, wow. And he ate nothing but, like, apples for, like, I guess, I don't know how long it was. But he said he started started fucking with him really bad. Really? And, like, they went and his, like, uh, levels in his... I can't, you know, his pancreas were like through the fucking roof. Like they were like, this is, you got to change, dude. Wow. Yeah. Which could be interesting considering Steve Jobs. We'll get into that in a little bit here. Uh, The thing with the diet though, is that he not, not only is it like a moral choice for him or whatever it is, but he believes that it eliminates body odor entirely and it allows him to avoid showering at all. He stops wearing shoes whenever possible and develops a case of hookworm. I'm joking about the hookworm. <laughs> just I like just a, love mentioning hookworm whenever I can. Just like Clyde Barrow. Yeah, exactly. They were they were hookworm brothers. That's right. Brothers. That's yeah. right. You get barefoot, you get you get hookworm, bro. <laughs> Look, there's always the debate too. Vegan people been around them. Some of them smell funny, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think non-vegan people, too vegan people, they probably think we smell funny. They say we smell like um milk. like sour milk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Milk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm like, well, I, don't, I guess so. I'm, I'm like, like, you guys kind of smell like vinegar. Yeah, I don't know which would you rather smell like, like bad milk or vinegar. Uh, those are the only two options. That's it. So you only get two yeah. options. Gun oh. to your head. Vegan or not. <laughs> <laughs> bad milk's bad. Bad milk is bad. bad. It's a weird smell. And, but vinegar is bad. Is too. it the apple cider vinegar? Uh, or it's it's it, like, imagine even vinegar and underarm. sucks. You know, like, uh, vinegar and underarms is what uh, kind of smells like. I, yeah. I guess I would go with vinegar and underarms. Yeah, I'm guess. telling you, you wouldn't. Dude, sour know. milk. Like how sour milk are we talking? Like I don't one day know. we'll go vegan days, and then so- you can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy just made a, a promise here. He's gonna go vegan and tell us how much like how much how we much stink like. Milk. Milk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, the hookworm thing uh, may not be a joke though because later on, Jobs did allegedly love soaking his bare feet in toilets as a means of relaxing while definitely <laughs> at Apple, which feels like that's a a, a legitimate hookworm risk uh, with the human dookie residue and all that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Just kidding. No, no. He loved to apparently, allegedly. I don't know. I, I, I never hung out with Steve Jobs and saw it personally. But allegedly, he loved to soak his bare ass feet in toilets. He would sit on the uh, like the tank. And just I guess put his feet. No, right he in. would yeah. have to put, or he would put his back on the floor. And That's like, what I like to imagine. Oh God, yeah. I don't think he's laying on the floor. No, I'm sure he sat on the tank and just put his feet <laughs> in the toilet. Yeah, it could have gone either way though. You flushed like the toilet. a catcher on top of the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, he's like an upper decker. But he also <laughs> what like, if that was what he was doing? Yeah. He was upper decking and soaking his feet yeah. all at the same time. Two birds, one stone. Steve Jobs, genius, <laughs> genius. I like to think of it more refreshing. You know, not upper decking, but then flushing and getting like a <laughs> like a massage type deal. From yeah, that's it. what it is. Yeah. Getting one of those power toilets, like at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody's on steroids so bad that they're just shitting out Pringles cans that you have to have like a, a straight a like vacuum. A, yeah. Fucking <laughs> like, 47. Like a fucking like space shuttle toilet. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, eventually the hippie free roaming lifestyle can't be sustained. And like a little spoiled bitch, he returns to his parents' home in Cupertino. When he gets home, he starts hanging out with Wozniak again. And Wozniak at this time had been getting into computers. He had designed a Pong-like game and had given the board to Jobs, like the circuit board, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jobs takes that board to Atari and basically passes the work off as his own, spinning that into a job with the company. <laughs> Leaving Wozniak out in the wind? Uh, well, yeah. This, Wozniak was like, he basically got this job because they thought he had built the circuit board that I gave to him with this Pong game. <laughs> and Jobs is like, totally did it, bro. <laughs> They're like, he's, look, that dude is a hell of a software engineer. I mean, weird dude. Stinks. And his, uh, he puts his feet in the toilet. But did you see the circuit board for this Pong game? And that's what the stories I've read. It kind of sounds like that, that Wozniak is a lot of the, the brains behind it. And, the technical brains. Yeah, and he's yeah. more of the marketing brains. And, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. You know, it's whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, good I mean, combo. Yeah. Atari's co-founder, Nolan Bushnell, described Jobs as, quote, difficult but valuable. Saying also that, quote, he was very often the smartest guy in the room and he would let people know that. He spends most of his time in 1974 working at Atari, living in a rustic small cabin, and saving money for a trip to India, hoping to find spiritual enlightenment. Later that year, he indeed leaves for India with a close friend, Daniel Kotke. Their goal is to visit Neem Karoli Baba at his Kainchi ashram, but by the time they get to the ashram, Baba is dead and the uh, grounds have been abandoned. They continue to another ashram with another guru, a guy named Haidakan Babaji. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. 
It's, there's not, it's not easy to say these things. <laughs> you should see them on paper. That's for real. Babaji ports to be a Mahavatar, a divine being born not from a woman, but simply manifested by the universe. Jobs, Kotki, and Babaji all take local psychedelics and then absorb the spiritual energy from Babaji via the, quote, divine winds of his nether region. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Fucking mystical oh. farts. <laughs> I'm joking again. <laughs> I made that last part up. Power farts. <laughs> but come on, at this point. Spiritual power farts. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, it sounds like it could be true, right? All this guru nonsense, the fruitarian diet, a divine appearance. Be honest. If I didn't say I was kidding, you'd barely blink at the idea of asshole hippie Steve Jobs huffing guru farts. <laughs> All jokes aside, Babaji taught about the importance of hard work and the proper performance of one's duties, saying things like work is worship and perfection is work and come over here and hoover this fart out of my holy butt. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, after seven months, Jobs returns to California dressed like every fuckboy tourist back from India, shaved head, traditional Indian clothing and an inability to shut up about his spiritual vacation and his Newfound divine insights that, like, no American conformist gets, man. I can only imagine how rough those conversations with Fucking at a party oh. right when he got back. Oh, my God. Yeah, you shaved your head, Steve. Yeah, dude, because hair is totally for conformist. I found the true <laughs> divine light by huffing farts out of this guru's <laughs> asshole. His Duke suit. <laughs> he continues to take psychedelics. He spends time at a commune in Oregon. And eventually, again, entirely unable to fully dedicate himself to the aesthetic lifestyle he seems to admire so much, he returns to work at Atari. He lives back with his parents in their garden shed, apparently. And I mean, poor Paul and Clara. <laughs> Can you fucking imagine having <laughs> to deal with this shit? Oh, God. Think about like the, the life you lived, man. Yeah. Dropped out of school, got the job traveled like went into an enlightenment trip in india yeah. came home bounced around like <laughs> oh he was doing fart with it <laughs> yeah just living off his parents couch and just bounced around it's a weird because this is steve jobs right yeah yeah, yeah i know this, kind this of hard is not to like the, the beginning that i expected no. for him by any stretch at of the a certain point he was talking about literally wanting to be a buddhist monk like he was gonna go and like live a monastic lifestyle I think he was just full of shit, though. I mean, I, not that he's full of shit. It's just that he couldn't really commit. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. we'll, we'll see this later on. Like, he wants to have this, like, spiritual well-being, but he still doesn't want to let go of material things. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is Once tough the- to do. I'm, and, dude, I, have no, I, I couldn't live an aesthetic lifestyle. There's no fucking way. I yeah. like shit. I mean, yeah. I, that Oculus 2, there's no way I'm giving that shit up, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm Mike, saying, you got that, like, two weeks ago, and man. Become it's- a gamer. It's, it's happening now. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I may be wearing it right now. You guys can't tell because you're just listening. <laughs> the microphone's over here, Mike. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, being a stinky-ass hippie, Jobs actually stinks. <laughs> like, a lot. Yep. Remember, he thinks that his diet keeps him from having to shower. Well, yeah, that's dumb as fuck. At this point, Steve Jobs stinks so fucking bad that he gets put on the night shift at Atari so that his coworkers don't have to suffer his general nastiness. <laughs> no way. Is that bad? That bad. Man. He, he was that good at what he did, but still they were like, man, he's got to be night shift. Like, we can't work with that. Dude. Yeah, and that's Look. why he snuck Wozniak in to do his work for him. <laughs> man. Hey, Woz, come in here, bro. I got to do this new thing. Let you- me show you the floor over here. Check out this computer. It's mine. Man, uh, you work in enough offices over your life. You're going to work with somebody that stinks. Yep, it's true. Yeah. And it sucks being mm. around somebody that has body odor. It's weird. As it's as gross. a manager, have you ever had to have a conversation with somebody about their body odor? 
we had to have a conversation with a dude about his breath. Ooh, yeah, oh, those are tough. I've had, I've, yeah, I've had yeah. not breath, but body odor, and it is the most awkward. I would rather fire everybody in my office <laughs> back to back to back to back to back and have to do all of their work than to have that one conversation to say, "Bro, you stink." You smell, and yeah. then they tell you, "I know, I do. I have a body problem," and I'm like, "Shit!" <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's no fixing this. Oh, man, we had a lady that sat a couple seats down from us. And she had stomach issues and she would sit in her cube and fart. Rip. And this was like our entry level jobs. And uh, I mean, you're like 15 feet away and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Eye watering. <laughs> oh, seriously. <laughs> Babaji, the girl, get your ass back in here. The girl that was in the one next to her would wheel out of her cube just like, oh, yeah, it's so bad. We're all experiencing this, right? We're all in this together. <laughs> Uh, these trying times. And we knew who it was. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Now, did she try to hide it or was she going like full she on? Was like, at her desk Look with... at me. Look at me. Yeah. I am the captain. Yeah. <laughs> no, she would sit at her desk with her pants undone. Oh, she just had gas. Real yeah. bad oh, gas. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it stunk. Yeah. I mean, that sucks. Yeah. God almighty. All right. Steve All right. Jobs. Steve Jobs stinks. <laughs> yeah. Stinks. And Jobs isn't just hygienically nasty, he's nasty in general. All that peace, love, and understanding he saw in India doesn't seem to have made a bit of difference. You nasty, Steve. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Come over here, Babaji. For instance, after returning to Atari, Jobs is given an assignment. Create a circuit board for the video game Breakout. The company is offering $100 for every TTL chip that was eliminated from the machine's circuit board. Trouble is, Jobs doesn't know shit about circuit boards, really. <laughs> but he does know a guy. I'd yeah. like to use a lifeline. That's it. Steve Wozniak. Yep. Jobs goes to Wozniak and basically says, hey, you help me eliminate these chips from this board and we'll split the reward. And Woz does some amazing engineering and reduces the TTL chip count down to 46. Atari engineers are fucking blown away, right? They think Jobs is a genius and he lets them think so. <laughs> but Dude, what I hope they have like the... Well, come in and show us how you did it, guy. Like, oh, yeah. Like, is there that moment coming There's up? There's not that moment. Jesus. There is another moment, though. And that's when he Jobs goes back to Waz and says, thanks, man. Here's a reward. You get three fifty, and I get three fifty. But the truth was the reward was actually $5,000, not $700. <laughs> Jesus, here we go. All right. And this guy- Jerk, dude. He just keeps on screwing over Wozniak left and right. Yeah. Well, what sucks is by the time he found out, like, that is... Probably it was ten years later. Yeah, ten. Yeah, dropping the bucket then at that yeah. point. But Wozniak didn't learn about the deception for ten years, and when they asked him about it, he was like, "If he needed the money, I probably would have just given it to him anyways." <laughs> man, yeah, yeah. Why be a dick about it, man? That's no, because he's Steve Jobs. He's a fucking asshole. Uh, That's why he's on the show. Uh. <laughs> How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, "Man, I wish they would have said this"? Well, now with our interactive social media pages. You can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. And it's probably for the best that uh, Wozniak doesn't know because it's around this time when Jobs and Wozniak started attending the homebrew computer meetings. Basically, it was like a club for people to get together and trade ideas for building personal computers before personal computers were even a thing. Oh, so it's a computer club. It is, before you even realize what computers were. I, like I said, these dudes were total hobbyists. Like yeah. the idea, like at this time, computers, the idea of a computer was that you had a giant fucking like cray, 
like supercomputer that you put in uh, like a huge basement in, in a giant corporation. Those are the only people that really had them. You yeah, know what I'm sure. Saying? Nobody had like they they had started fucking around with circuit boards and stuff like that. So people were trying to figure out how they could build this. So the Homebrew Computing Club was big over there in Silicon Valley. They started attending them. And like I said, at this point, Wozniak is really getting interested in computers anyways. Sure. So, like I said, Wozniak is a whiz at the shit, and it isn't long before he comes to Jobs with, like, a pretty great prototype. Jobs is like, Woz, you fucking freak show? This is cool. Let's make a business out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a real quote. That's what I like to imagine happening. How that went down. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, fuck, Woz. <laughs> Look at this shit. Yeah. Wozniak was not initially comfortable with the idea, but Jobs persuades him. Then they bring on a guy named Ronald Wayne, and Apple Computer is born. The name came from some time that Jobs had spent in the apple orchard of his hippie commune of choice. Very on brand. Jobs and Wozniak bootstrapped the company by selling Woz's calculator and Jobs' Volkswagen van. So let me remind you, computers are such a big fucking deal that he literally bootstrapped by selling his calculator. <laughs> yeah. And Calculators were not cheap. Right. The calculator was the equivalent price of a van. Of a van. Wow. <laughs> I don't have a car. You got that calculator. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Dang. All right, I guess. We're going to build a way bigger calculator. It'll be just bigger. Let's just do it. Okay. <laughs> God, I love that calculator. <laughs> now, folklore has it that Apple Computer started out uh, in the garage of Jobs' childhood home, a modest one-story home off of Christ Drive. This is partly true, but according to Jobs' old college and Indian excursion buddy, Daniel Kotke, not much work was actually done in the garage. Instead, he says that most of the actual work took place in the kitchen, where he himself, Kotke, spent hours and hours trying to ring up potential investors. He said Waz would come by like once a week and be like, here's this new code I'm working on. You know, Steve was over there huffing farts from some other guru. <laughs> and tripping in yeah, the garage. <laughs> yeah, and then Kotke's on the phone just like, we need money. Please right. help us with money. And ultimately, they're successful getting investors and obviously starting a company with the largest market capitalization in history right now. It's yep. nearly $3 trillion. God, can you imagine getting in on the ground floor of that business investment? Yeah. And saving that stock all this time? You didn't even have to. All you had to do is buy it in 97. Oh man, what was it at? It was in trading it less than a dollar in '97, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was on. It was on its last legs. We'll get into that here in a minute. Apple is a business success story like no other, and this isn't a show about Apple being amazing. Like I said, we already talked about that. It's a show about whether or not Steve Jobs was an asshole. So I'm just going to skip the Apple story from here on out and focus on the history of Jobs as an asshole. We know the company. Most of us have some sort of Apple product. No need to waste too much time talking about that. Okay. Now. As Apple takes off as a company, and especially after... No, I want to talk about Apple. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's talk about how great their products are. This brought to you by Apple. <laughs> this is actually... Uh, most people are listening to this on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Some on Spotify. That's true. That's true. Good chunk on Spotify. And we uh, like those five-star reviews on Spotify now, too. Yeah. So. Any review you get, give us five stars, dude, or I will <laughs> hunt you down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, as, uh, like I said, as Apple takes off as a company, and especially after the launch of the blockbuster Apple II computer, Steve Jobs gets very rich very quickly. In 1978, at the ripe old age of 23, Steve Jobs' net worth was approximately $1 million. That's roughly $4 million in today's money, okay? That's not bad for 23 but just two years later, 1980, Jobs' net worth is $250 million. Yeah. One is the billion? One billion. Yep. God. How much How much longer? Two, two years. years. Jesus. Yeah. 25 years old and a billionaire. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you got to think back then, I mean, it was 
Billionaires were in the nineties. We were like, man, as long as we have a million dollars, we can retire and be great. Yeah. You know, and he was at a billion ten years before that. Well, the equivalent of a billion, two hundred fifty oh, million. Yeah, yeah, the equivalent. It's more money than you know what to do with. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We got more money than Jesus than, than David Crockett. <laughs> yeah, David Crockett. Now, I, I, like I said, I bring this. Jesus. <laughs> I bring up the his his net worth for two reasons. The first is that in the background of Apple's success. Steve Jobs and his longtime on-again, off-again girlfriend, Chris Ann Brennan, rekindle their romance when Brennan returns from her own dumbass spiritual journey to India. Brennan and Jobs had been romantically linked since high school. Brennan was not some sort of materialistic gold digger personality, okay? She was cut from the same hippie cloth. I was just about to say, imagine going to their apartment this summer after they've kind of slept in. Stinks. Oh, it smells like... Hopefully it smells like patchouli, but... Man, I bet you know it's it It's never just patchouli. It's always patchouli and body odor. It's uh-huh. a combo. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't get just one. The PBO. <laughs> I imagine it'd be just super like musty. Yeah. 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 You can almost see... It's like if the sun's coming through, you can see the stink. Oh, you know? stink lines like in a comic book. <laughs> Stays on your tongue. Oh, it's it tastes like what is that? What is that? Ketchup, onions, <laughs> uh, vinegar, at, vinegar. <laughs> at some point, Chris Ann gets pregnant. Is Steve happy with this turn of events? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Damn. He shuts down. He won't even discuss the pregnancy with her. Worse still, according to Brennan, he starts spreading the rumor that Brennan is basically a whore, and there's no fucking way that this kid is his. Wow. Oh, oh man. When the little girl Lisa is born in 1978, Jobs completely denies paternity. He denies this for a number of years before Chris Ann gets the courts to compel Jobs to take a paternity test, which proves that, yes, indeed, Steve Jobs, you are the father. Oh, Oh, Look at his eyes. Look at their eyes. Look at the eyes in the two pictures. Look at it. Look at their chins. You can tell he's the dad. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's the dad. The courts also compelled Jobs to pay Chris Ann child support for Lisa, who at that point was literally on welfare to support herself and the child. Oh, shit. And at the time that Steve Jobs is effectively a billionaire, guess how much he pays every month to support his daughter? What year was it? 1980, early 80s. Uh, I'm going to go with 1000 a month. Yeah, that's a good number. $385 a month. Wow. A month. So this is what he's yeah. effectively worth a billion dollars. He's having he's paying His her child out. is worth $4,000 a year. Like yeah. And even then, he's still bitterly complaining that the paternity test was wrong and that Lisa is not his daughter. Good god. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. Now, eventually he does accept it that she's his daughter and he tries to have a relationship with her. She moves in. In fact, she wrote a book that came out here recently called Small Fry. That there was just too much in there for me to include on the show, but there's some pretty weird shit uh, in there, like the way that he acted towards her and stuff like that. And it was a very awkward relationship that they had. So even when he brought her into the fold, it still wasn't super comfortable. That's right? and that's also weird, like him being adopted, that he would deny his own child. Yeah, you know, that's We're getting a- to the depths of his shittiness here. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. At the same time that he's denying his daughter and grumbling about paying a legitimate pittance to support her, he's also screwing some of his business partners over. Remember Daniel Kotke? The yeah. guy that he was buddies with at Reed College with and the, traveled number, to, yeah. number three? Yeah. Traveled to, well, number four. Number four. Yeah, number four. Traveled to India with and uh, helped him like get the necessary investors to get Apple off of the ground. That's right. India. Well, Jobs never set Kotke up with stock options. Never. Like, what was it, like a handshake agreement? And yeah. he just, what a dick. Like, maybe it was just an oversight, right? No, not at all. As Kotke would later put it, quote, 
It got to be the summer of 1980, and I never had a stock option. No one would ever talk to me about it. All I wanted was just a touch base with Steve about it, and he would just not talk to me. He kept me waiting outside his office for hours on multiple occasions. It was very cold. And you know how he is. He would just be on the phone endlessly until I went away because he didn't want to talk to me. Uh, what a dick, man. It got to a point where other employees, those with stock options, were getting upset about it. One day, an Apple executive named Rod Holt went to Jobs and was begging him to do the right thing for Kotke, to give Kotke some stock options. He said, whatever you give him, I will match it. Jobs replied, okay, I will give him zero. Oh, wow. Wow. So what's the, the deep beef between Kotke and... I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if there's some girl story from back in the day they're traveling in india it could be but he obviously got him in there and even then like that, you know, like a that three way that went sideways and i thought about Steve the two as i was to this butt got <laughs> we wigged out and maybe yeah. Kotke was wearing deodorant yeah you know it's weird i just i can't even like he's still working for the company like you could i don't know i'm not, not he's not working for apple i'm saying at that time he's yeah, still working yeah, for yeah, apple. yeah yeah i looked up daniel Kotke's net worth today estimated to be one million dollars Ouch. I know, which a lot of people would be like, oh, a million bucks, but dude. No. no. Ouch. Yeah, being a founding member of Apple. Yeah. And literally your, your net worth in 2022 is $1 million. Yep. Apparently, Wozniak ended up digging into his own pocket and paying out $10 million to some of the like screwed over initial employees. Hmm. But Steve Jobs wasn't just an asshole about money. He was just an all around asshole, to be honest. Take this story from 1981. At that point... Everyone was shooting to become the winner in the personal computer race. Apple, Tandy, HP, IBM, and Xerox. Side note, Xerox was responsible for a ton of the R&D that they practically gave away and became great products for other companies. Like Excel, spreadsheets were basically a Xerox design that they didn't know what to do with and they just took. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, yeah it's, like I said, if you ever get a chance, you should really, like, it's a fascinating, read about Silicon Valley in the 60s and 70s. It's just like, it's, it's amazing, dude. Anyways, Xerox entry into the PC war was called the star, and it was supposed to be a big deal. So, of course, Steve Jobs and his Apple team go to check it out. As the story goes, Steve is dramatically unimpressed and, of course, doing everything he can to show his boredom with the Xerox effort. You know, he's like, Ugh, rolling his eyes and shit. You know, they're like, well, check out this cool function. He's like, <laughs> don't <Whatever>. care. <laughs> so so parts I can huff over here. <laughs> so, uh, so much worse than what we're doing. A couple of weeks later, Jobs reaches out to one of the hardware designers for the Xerox Star Team, a guy named Bob Belleville. Jobs tells Belleville, everything you've done in your life is shit, so why don't you come work for me? Oh, wow. Poaching, huh? Yeah. Yeah, in a very strange way. In a very, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Belleville tells him to get fucked. I'm kidding. He leaves Xerox and joins Apple. <laughs> uh, of course he does. Uh, there's another story that takes place uh, in the early days of Apple where Steve Jobs is interviewing a potential job candidate, and it quickly goes from standard to strange. Uh, Jobs starts asking the guy questions like, how old were you when you lost your virginity? And like, <laughs> the candidate is obviously <laughs> baffled. And he's like, what did you say? <laughs> Steve Jobs is like, are you a virgin? Oh, wow. Jobs asked, uh, <laughs> the candidate was like losing his shit. So Jobs changed the subject. How many times have you taken LSD? Another employee in the interview attempted to like return the interview to normalcy with a standard technical question, and the like candidate does his best to answer the question like in a technical way. And after a while, Steve Jobs gets bored with the explanation, cuts him off, and starts going gobble 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 gobble. gobble. <laughs> what a dick, man! Wow. The interviewee stands up and says, "I guess I'm not the right guy for this job." Wow. I mean, that's a story you'll be able to tell for 
decades to pass down, but what a weirdo. Why would he do something like that? One, two, like, is he so next level on the spectrum? Like, that's just, he's a dick. He's a yeah, fucking yeah. asshole, dude. So it sounds he like he's just that. a dick. He likes fucking with people. And you also have, like, I guess some kind of disassociation when you're that rich, maybe? And he's just He was like, always a dick. Remember his mom said, I thought about giving his ass back. <laughs> that's right. He, he was, was probably little... four years old and was like, shut the fuck up, mom. You know, they have, like, little Sheldon. That's what I was thinking little in my rock, head. Young yeah. Rock, yeah. Yeah. Little asshole. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, young Steve Jobs. Yeah. Another funny story comes from Guy Kawasaki. At the time in 1984, uh, he's the liaison to the Macintosh developer community. So he's not a bad guy from an 80s movie? No, but that Guy Kawasaki. Would be awesome. With the bandana on. You know oh. that Kawasaki dirt bike's green as fuck, too. <laughs> <laughs> Three ninjas. <laughs> he says that awesome eighties fighting montage oh, yeah. music going. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Rolls up and just fucking jumps over Steve Jobs' desk. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he says that Steve shows up. Steve Jobs shows up one day uh, to to his work, and uh, he's got a guy in tow, and he starts talking with him. He's like, um, "Hey, guy. Well, I got you here. Are you familiar with Nowhere? Which Nowhere was a, like software that was designed and developed for the Mac at the time." And uh, he knew that uh, Guy Kawasaki did not like the software. So Guy uh, plays into it and is basically all like, oh, yeah, dude, nowhere fucking sucks, dude. I hate that shit. And Kawasaki said that he went on for a good few minutes about how much he hated the software before Jobs stopped, smiled, turned around and uh, introduced the man behind him as the uh, CEO of nowhere. Oh, what Yikes. a dick, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely in Lucy propping up the football on that one. Yeah. Charlie Brown coming right out. Man, what a dick. He knew what he was doing. He actually was like embarrassing both of them. It was like yeah, a two for one deal. Absolutely. He <laughs> loved that shit. <laughs> he was like, man, peanut butter and chocolate together. Remember in Stand By Me when Lardass had everybody puking yeah. on each other and he just kind of stepped back and yep. crossed his arms like and I looked at my <laughs> my yeah. damage that I yeah, had done. That's <laughs> right. Gazed upon my work and it uh -huh. was good. Uh, another thing that Jobs was famous for at Apple was parking in the handicap spots on the Apple campus. He did this shit for years, dude. Uh, he had a strange habit of using a California legal loophole that allowed new cars to go up to six months without registering uh, with the state and therefore having to get a tag. So every six months, Jobs would buy a new Mercedes to avoid getting the tag. And very often, Apple employees would walk into Apple headquarters and notice a tagless Mercedes parked in a, uh, in a handicap spot. What a dick, man! Yeah. Like, and what is you could have your own parking spot, like too. You like, really yeah. could, yeah. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, he could he literally like, have the best parking spot there. He could park in his office if he wanted to do <laughs> it. He was like, "No, fuck that. No, I'm gonna park in the handicap it's spot." A super elitist move, man. It's fucking oh, pathological. It's, it's pathological. He loves being an asshole. <laughs> so he's like, "What are you gonna do? Tow my car?" That's what it is. He loves the reaction. He loves upsetting people. I think. He's anyway, a, he's a I'm habitual just, line stepper. He is no. I'm a disruptor. I'm a disruptor, man. Him and Rick James are like best friends. Honestly, a lot of that bullshit, like the Silicon Valley culture comes from his ass. Like that, like, oh, just break shit and move fast and shut the fuck up, man. Those guys, I can't deal with it. That's why Silicon Valley, the show is so great. It is I funny. need to watch it. I, I've oh, heard y'all talk about it. Yeah. 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 The first season's incredible. In 1983, Jobs lures John Scully away from PepsiCo to serve as Apple's CEO. He famously pitched him by saying, quote, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want a chance to change the world? Change the world. That's it. I, I've always wanted to change the world. Okay, well, I guess I'll stop selling sugar water, but... What's <laughs> funny, in Silicon Valley, one of the things, they're at this tech crunch conference, mm -hmm. and uh, all these people up there just 
you know, it's the brains, right? But trying to do a, a media presentation, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, terrible. Yeah. And we just want to change the world. Yeah, we, we want to change the way you think about this. Yeah, yeah it's just it's revolutionary. We're yeah. not we're not we're not selling products. We're changing the changing world. The uh-huh. world. It's so much bullshit. Yeah. Dude. Spoiler alert: This did not work out for Jobs because he ended up in a power struggle with Scully, who ultimately prevailed, sort of, and Jobs resigned from Apple in 1985, bitter and vengeful. Billionaire, bitter and vengeful. Yeah, he yeah. was pissed off. He was for the rest of his life. He still bitched about it. Oh my god, this is like from the Austin Power series. Doctor Evil's like backstory right here. It's oh like, yeah, he gets fired from the company. He's all pissed, but he has all this money. He's like, I'm gonna go take on yeah. the world. No, he was fucking pissed off, dude. Yeah. Uh, he like I said, he's to the day that he died, he would still complain about it, like openly. Just was like, I got kicked out of my own company. What is it? But the truth of the matter is, he didn't have to. Like the board, and even Scully came to him and was like. You could boot me out right now if you want to. Like, you have the ability, you have the board votes, and instead he was like, fuck this, and resigned and left. So it's just a weird setup, dude. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Yeah. He starts Next Inc. Uh, uh, next. <laughs> as a, uh, it's like sort of a competitor with Apple. Uh, one of the original members of Next was a guy named Randy Adams, who recalled a time in 1986 when Bill Gates showed up to Next headquarters for a meeting with Jobs. Adams said that he saw the front desk call up the Jobs office to let him know that Gates was there. And because of Adam's office vantage point, he says he watched Jobs sit there at his desk completely unoccupied for an hour before finally calling Gates to join him. Jobs made Gates wait in the lobby for an hour just to spite him. Oh, man, man this guy is a bitch. Like, <laughs> I hate everything that I'm hearing. He's he's like an entitled brat. Yeah. I hate leaving people like, you know, people usually show 15 minutes early yeah. for their interview. Bring them on in. They'll exactly. If, if I can. If, yeah. Yeah. If I'm ready and they're ready, let's do this. But yeah, I had to make the lady wait the full 15 minutes last week. And I was like, God, you know, it happens. It, though. It, but in there, it's a glass wall, right? They can. They can, it's almost like they just sit and stare at you. Like, <laughs> That's when you just are start you going to be the one interviewing me? Making jerk yeah. off motions at her. <laughs> <laughs> Give a fuck if I hire you, bitch. <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. You don't want to work here. Come on in. Stand. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your work history, and what you're wanting to do in life. Jobs, of course, also funded a spinoff from Lucas Films that would go on to become Pixar. Wow. That was a that was a nice funding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One time, uh, before Pixar was Pixar uh, and huge, there was uh, some setbacks, and Jobs decided to lay off a large portion of the staff, which is Fairly standard, to be fair. I mean, that happens a lot. Sure. But Jobs did it without warning or without severance. Begged by an early Pixar employee, her name is Pamela Kerwin, to at least give the employees a two-week notice, Jobs responded by saying, okay, but the notice is retroactive from two weeks ago. Oh. Oh, what a... Strike three. (laughs) I win. (laughs) Touchdown. Obviously, Pixar became a massive blockbuster. Everybody knows that story. Of course. Toy Story, Cars. I mean. In fact, he was listed as a producer on Toy Story. Yeah. 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 But the next story, which is Next Inc. story, is uh, more interesting to me because it's how Jobs kicked the door back in at Apple and regained his throne. In 96, an undeniably struggling Apple made a Hail Mary purchase of Next Inc. to try and bolster their product line. Jobs uses this opportunity to stage a board coup at Apple oust the then-CEO, Gil Amelio, and install himself as the interim CEO. In 2000, he drops the pretense and the interim title and becomes the official CEO. Just before his famous return, an Apple employee who had worked with Jobs in the early days of Apple wrote an email to him imploring him not to return, stating, quote, please don't come back to Apple, you'll ruin it. 
Jobs emailed him back immediately, writing, quote, You may be right, but if I succeed, remember to look in the mirror and call yourself an asshole for me. Oh, nice. Yeah, which, yeah. honestly, that's pretty rad. <laughs> if it's true. But yeah. yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, honestly, a lot of that stuff is documented because... It's an email. Well, it's an email, and it's <laughs> uh, it's like the, the turnaround for Apple was so historically significant business-wise that everything was documented. Like all this yeah. shit was like such a, like the, the infamous email that with Michael Dell and him mm-hmm. or whatever, when like right when jobs took over 97 and the stock was just, I mean the, the company was borderline worthless. Like they were like spiraling the fucking, you know, in, into the toilet. And Michael Dell was like, they were like, what would you do right now? If you were the CEO of, uh, of, of Apple, he was like, I would shut everything down and return the money to shareholders. Well, once, Steve Jobs, like the the market cap of Apple, like surpassed Dell. He wrote Michael Dell a an email that was basically like not or no, it's to everybody at Apple. He was basically like he couldn't see the future. I just want everybody to sit here and like think about how awesome this is. Smiley face. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. So, anyways, he wrote the email, and uh, I honestly imagine at some point that the employee actually had to look in the mirror and call himself an asshole. Because Jobs comes back to Apple with a vengeance. The iPod, the iMac, the iPad, the iPhone, like the Midas touch for real. All projects are historic successes unlike anything seen in the business world. Like every single one was a total home run back to back to back to back to back. Dude, I still remember getting my first um, iPod when I was, it was like back in like 2006. I want to say that it had maybe like 10 gigs or something like that on it. And I remember like I felt like hot shit. Walking around, my little iPod had all oh, my yeah. music on it. But I mean, like, yeah, everything just right one after the other. Yeah, Remember it was this, insane. This cheap ass shuffles. Oh yep. yeah, there was no screen. Yep, you yeah. could download it, but you couldn't see shit. Yeah, it was just kind of guessing. Through it. Yeah. yeah, we got our uh, my mother and father in law those, or my brother did, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was constantly having to like figure it out for them, and yeah. I finally just got it. Yeah, that was a good product. I mean, I had the 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 first generation of iPod. And no, it was the second one. And I remember the wheel. The wheel was gone. Oh, it was magnetic. Yeah. And I was like, it was like magic to me. I was like a caveman. I was like, huh? Oh, oh, how, does, how does it work? I was like, how does this work? The wheel's not moving. I was dating this girl. We were driving. I was like, the wheel is not moving. How is this actually working? I'm a fucking idiot. So there you go. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Jobs comes back. It's crushing it, dude. And he hasn't softened at all, dude. He is back to being a total asshole. Dr. Evil. Yeah. Uh, he's back to parking in handicapped spaces. He's back to humiliating people. One day, Jobs brought the Apple employees into the Apple Auditorium to discuss a supporting software called Mobile Me, which at the time was experiencing problems. With everyone in attendance, Jobs asked aloud, "Can anyone tell me what Mobile Me is supposed to do?" So the team like starts trying to answer and everything like that. They're trying to explain what what it does, and Jobs replied, "Then why the fuck doesn't it do that?" He followed but by saying. You've tarnished Apple's reputation. You should hate each other for having let each other down. Oh, oh nice. Wow. You should hate each other. Yeah. He then proceeded to fire the mobile me boss in front of everybody. Wow. Wow. Another time, there was a meeting with a company called VLSI Technologies. They were supposed to be developing chips for Apple, uh, but they had been struggling to make deadlines. As the story goes, Jobs stormed into the meeting and started shouting that they were all, quote, fucking dickless assholes. (laughs) (laughs) The company ended up getting the chips to Apple on time, and its executives made jackets that boasted on the back, Team FDA. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. (laughs) I have never dealt with a boss like Jobs, and I'm glad that I haven't. 
Unfortunately for a lot of people, they've had to endure shitty bosses like Jobs because since his triumphant return to a struggling Apple and his inarguably miraculous turnaround of the company, a whole army of managers and executives took his famously abrasive management style as the key to success. For the last decade plus, innumerable middle managers and executives and supervisors have mistakenly thought that the key to jobs like business success was to be an equally huge asshole. Oh, Jesus. When the Stanford professor of management science and engineering, uh, Robert Sutton, was researching his book, The No Asshole Rule, Building a Civilized Workspace and Surviving One That Isn't, he ran across a disconcerting number of Silicon Valley leaders who believed that Steve Jobs was living proof that being an asshole boss was integral to building a great company. Uh, sometimes an asshole's just an asshole. Exactly. In an interview, Sutton stated, quote, Even people who work with Jobs told me that they'd seen him make people cry many times, but that 80% of the time he was right. He added, It is troubling that there's this notion in our culture that if you're a winner, it's okay to be an asshole. Yeah, like, you gotta have, like, a little bit of tact, you yeah. know? Like, I mean, come on, like, unless you just get off on, like, fucking with people's mm -hmm. emotions all the time. I, I I don't understand how that builds camaraderie or builds a positive work environment where people are like happy to keep on coming right. and, and, and performing. No, I mean, that's what Sutton says. He's like, Apple succeeded in spite of him being an asshole, not because he was an asshole. Anyways, as many people know, Steve Jobs was diagnosed with cancer in 2003. It was a rare form of pancreatic cancer called a neuroendocrine tumor. This type is less lethal than the most common form of pancreatic cancer, an adenocarcinoma. Neuroendocrine tumors grow more slowly than adenocarcinomas or whatever, right? Because usually you get pancreatic cancer, it's lights out. Uh, yeah, that's ago. like a death sentence pretty much. Yeah. Now, the rumor has always been that Jobs, believing himself to be smart enough to beat the cancer on his own uh, with a regiment of diet and yoga and guru farts, decided that he wasn't going to get treated. And I've always taken this as a fact, too. But as I looked into it, I'm not so sure that that's accurate because I this doctor was talking about her name is Julie Fleshman. Uh, she's the president and chief executive officer of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And she basically was saying that, like, with that specific type of cancer, you have some time to decide on what you want to do. Like, it's not so immediate that you have to rush to go get surgery. It's not like six months to live right. type stuff, but it is a it's just an hourglass that is, you know. Yeah. And she was talking about like his alternative treatment or whatever. She's like, in a lot of ways, she's like, if you're going to treat cancer and use that only, she was like, you're fucked. But. If you want to include that in your regiment for treatment, it really helps out, you know, yeah, sure. and actually she was pointing out that most cases of that type of cancer that are diagnosed usually live about two years and he lived eight years. After oh, that. wow. Wow. So, yes, I don't I don't blame him at all for what he did. I don't even know that he was like, I'm so smart. I don't need doctor's treatment. He probably just, you know, waited and figured out, you know, which surgeons he wanted to go to and, and what have you or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, like if it was a two year death sentence and he times that by four yeah you know i mean that's yeah where it gets a little stranger though is the links that jobs went to get a liver transplant in 2009 uh jobs was pretty quiet about why he needed the transplant but it can reasonably be assumed that it had to do with the continuing deterioration of his body due to the cancer the big problem is that as many people are probably already aware it's incredibly difficult to get a transplant right no matter the situation i was about to say and yeah. he's got cancer yeah like, exactly yeah with a cancer diagnosis uh, it's next to impossible because the possibility of a long-term positive transplant outcome in a cancer patient, even under the best circumstances, is extremely slim. I mean, it should be because, like I said, there's not a lot of good outcomes. Yeah, exactly. I, Versus like a 20-year-old, 30-year-old kid who's healthy. Yeah. You know, otherwise healthy. Yeah, I found an article that was uh, that sort of broke this down. It said, quote, there were roughly 16,000 people on the national liver transplant like waiting when Jobs got a liver. 
He was one of 1,581 people who got livers in the United States in the first quarter of 2009. Almost none of those people had any form of cancer. In fact, if Jobs' tumor had spread from his pancreas into his liver, as is likely, some transplant surgeons say that they would not recommend a liver transplant because there's no data that shows a transplant will stop or even slow the spread of cancer. This raises the question, is this the best use of a liver? Right, and then the the cancer is just going to respread back to that healthy liver now. Yep. Like, uh, yep. I just wonder what the the real process is, though, right? Like you say, well, how did that happen? How does he jump in line? Well, that's it. Jobs got this because he had endless amounts of money and aid in placing him on nearly every state donor list in the country. Oh Tennessee- yeah, he had houses in every uh, in a lot of states. Yeah, so some of could, these the houses yeah. like Tennessee is notorious for being a lot more. I don't know, lax about who they give transplants to. Sure. Uh, and that's where he ended up getting his transplant was in Tennessee. So the question is, who lost out on a liver to Steve Jobs? A situation where Jobs' life was only extended a mere two years thanks to the transplant. But honestly, like, I don't even blame Jobs for utilizing his resources to get the transplant. I'd do the same, honestly. I think it just like speaks more to like an inherently broken system, dude. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I too would do the same in that situation. If I've got billions of dollars oh, sure. at this point, what is- and that's the immediate issue you can solve? Solve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Keep I'm going to get totally going. selfish because I'm, I'm trying not to die, bro. Yep. But Jobs also did have a positive impact on the organ donation issue when he pressed for a new law in California that required applicants... Uh, for a driver's license to be asked whether they'd like to be organ donors. That was part of his speech when he came back and uh, one of his first auditorium speaks back to the Apple community. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I'm back from, you know, just getting a liver transplant and I'm, I'm vertical now these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really I'm thankful to this 20 year old who gotten, you know, who died and gave he got, me. He got crushed in a horrible machinery accident. Thank you, because he's an organ donor. Here's and I his, hope all of you will Here's be. his picture. It's actually, <laughs> here's a before and an after. It's kind of amazing oh, that his, oh, it's amazing that his liver, that's the only thing that survived. <laughs> so I feel like this is, you know, like divine intervention. I was supposed to have his liver. Now let's get to the new iPod, everybody. <laughs> Back to business. Yeah. On October 5th, 2011, Steve Jobs loses his battle with cancer. And when he dies, the tech and business world mourns the loss of a visionary. Most of the press is about the loss of the world faces without the product wizard's presence. But there is some talk about another issue, which is Jobs' seemingly total lack of philanthropy during his lifetime. And this topic is controversial and disputed. One side says that Jobs was a selfish prick who went out of his way to avoid giving money to causes at every chance he had. And the other side uh, says that he actually was just kind of quiet about it. Or worse, there's another side that says that his actual contribution to the world was in his amazing product development. And I'm like, that's the worst fucking take you could possibly have. (laughs) And Wozniak's like, God damn it. They're like, he didn't have to give money to cancer research or anything like that because he made the iPod. (laughs) <laughs> You're like, fucking shut up, dude. Like, that's, honestly, like I said, we you just talked about pass. this. If you made the iPhone, you get the pass. I think you should give the money <laughs> to fucking worthy causes. <laughs> you may got rich off the iPod. It already helped you out. You you know, I think you should kick it back. Yeah, down. but does this, does this surprise us based on anything that we've heard about him up to this no. point? No, and I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to tell what the truth is because it's, like I said, he, he was somewhat quiet about what he did. But I did find... Uh, one thing that was verifiable, and this is the following. Unlike fellow tech leaders like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, he did not sign the Giving Pledge, the effort under which the nation's richest individuals commit to giving at least half of their wealth away to philanthropy. Yep, yep with Warren Buffett and all them. Mm-hmm. At the time of his death, his name was absent from the list of gifts of one million or more maintained by Indiana University's Center on Philanthropy. 
And it wasn't until after an unflattering media report about Jobs on the subject shortly before he died that Apple initiated a, quote, matching gifts program under which donations to philanthropies made by employees are matched by the company. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll match it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple, yeah. Apple yeah. take care of that for A little me. bit of damage control, y'all. Yep. Moreover, Jobs had closed Apple's philanthropic programs when he returned to the company in 1997 and never reinstated them despite $14 billion in profit at the time of his death. Jeez. So I'll leave it up to the listener to decide if his uh, philanthropic efforts were reasonable considering his wealth and stature. Either way, whether he was a miser or not, there's enough there to make the case that Jobs was a legitimate asshole. So with that, let's get some final scores, fellas. You want to start us off, uh, Randy? All right. I learned a good deal more about his management style and I guess some of his behavior. I didn't realize he was so off the chain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just some of the... just. Exaggerated. Like he got off to that shit. Yeah. No, he was a narcissist almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Huh. I did not know that. You'd always heard, you know, some of the rumblings. You know, you kind of always feel that people step on people on their way to the top, you know. And usually those tech weirdos are just kind of odd anyway. Their social interactions often portray them as kind of an asshole. But. Well, you look at Bill Gates and he just seems like a really weird dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like introverted. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, took yeah. him to get like 70 years old before he seems like fairly normal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gates, yeah. I mean, honestly, Gates was mean as fuck back in the day, dude. He was shredding people left Cut and right. Cutthroat. Cutthroat, absolutely. But he wasn't, <laughs> like, he wasn't a dick not in the as process, much, it not, seems not, like, not to like the jobs. employees, but that's uh, a right. different show. So, you know, again, I'm an Apple guy and you hate guys to see them get sick and die of cancer, but Steve Jobs seemed to be really, really full of himself. Yep. My final score for him, I'm going to put him at a 7.15. Okay. Oh, I like it. 7.15. 7.15. Okay. And, buddy, what you got? All right. So, for me, you know, I'm kind of shocked at some of the things that I've heard today. I mean, there are, you know, things like Randy just mentioned that, you know, when you're Building a company that is as meteoric as Apple, you tend to have to make decisions that might compromise your integrity or something like that in order for the betterment of the company or to push it forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see that happen a lot with a lot of companies. But, man, it just sounds like Steve was an asshole just from, I mean, the jump. Like his mom Mm -hmm. said he wanted she wanted to give him back at times Mm -hmm. right off the rip when he went to college. He wanted to go to a fancy out-of-state school. Yeah. Just to kind of fuck his parents over, it sounded yeah. like. And the parents were like, cool, we'll do this. And then, like, he they fucked like, really? backwards. They moved their whole family to Cupertino because he was getting picked on in seventh grade, like the rest of everybody on the planet. Like yeah. every middle schooler around, except for Zach Morris, because Zach Morris is it's trash. trash. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I mean, like, his parents did a lot for him, uh, including adopting him. Right. And uh, he just seemed like a dick the whole time. He, you know, I don't, I don't fault him for what he did over in India and like going and finding the spiritual paths and stuff like that. I don't really fault him for the body odor shit, you know, but I, I mean, that's a choice. Yeah, no, <laughs> really the choice. You I mean, choose to make people uncomfortable in social yeah. situations. Yeah. You can smell yourself. I know. You can. I, really I know can. the days that I forgot deodorant and I'm like, crap. And I will <laughs> drive to a like CVS <laughs> and just go hit up some deodorant. And he was just like, nah, I don't even stink. Yeah. Say it to my face. I keep some in my computer bag. Yeah. yeah just in Absolutely. case. Yep. You know. So, but yeah, him like basically like leaving for college and like giving his parents the bird mm-hmm. by just walking away, not saying anything. That doesn't sit right with me. Uh, soaking his feet in the toilet. Yeah. I like That's, that. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. No. Randy's sitting there thinking about it because he even thought about it. He's like, well, maybe if you flush it, then it would feel yeah, like, like it. the Jets. If it was warm water, 
Oh, can you imagine taking a dump in hot water? Oh. <laughs> Poop stew, stew, bro. Oh, God. Like, yeah, it's heated. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, yeah, he also uh, stole the Pong Gang from Wozniak, passed it off as his own. I forgot about that. That was actually, yeah, yeah. that was pretty dirty. And pretty then also cool. the TTL circuits. He yeah, that like, one was way Oh, worse, yeah. like, and then he was like, well, here's 300, here's half the split right here, you know. Um, And then... You know, moving on to him denying his first child and spreading rumors about the 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 his mom, yeah, Chris Ann, yeah, and that basically like it's actually very Maury Povich. It of, is. Uh, it really of Steve is. Jobs to do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like she's on like child or uh, on no, welfare. welfare. Legitimately, was on welfare. Legitimately, and then like finally he starts to come around. I was like. Mm. I guess I'll pay out some child support. Mm-hmm. And he's giving her 385 oh, bucks a it month. It wasn't a choice. The courts told him he had to. <laughs> and yeah. it was a low. Uh, yeah. That that kind of shocks me that they were like, well, 385 seems fair yeah. per month based on what he's making. But I guess we've made some strides in that um, over the years. I guess they weren't probably able to find how much he was worth accurately then because of the lack of electronic data right well like, that and also he could probably make the argument that his actual like income was very low but uh, his entire wealth was was wrapped up in stock options stocks. Yeah, yeah sure sure but i mean this is a guy that's buying a new mercedes every six months yeah exactly yeah he's like to park daughter, in a handicapped spot so he doesn't have to have a <laughs> so he doesn't have to have a license plate <laughs> and then he's like yeah no my my daughter uh, there was other stories in there that I don't even include because they're like he lady, like got onto this lady at Whole Foods because she made his smoothie wrong. Like Joni Ive, who is a designer for Apple, who's like he was very close with Steve, and he was like, I remember he just started like destroying this lady at the Whole Foods because <laughs> she made his smoothie wrong, and then he was like, eventually he realized that even he realized he was being a bit of an asshole, apologized, and left. Man, there's so, too many stories. I can't even include that, that shit. That's what I'm talking about, and and this is the beauty of this show. It's not contribution court. It's not you know. It's uh, shred fest. <laughs> it's a shred fest from us, and this is asshole court. And this guy is a asshole. Yeah, I mean, so you know, we have you know sliding scales on here, and we usually say somewhere around seven or eight is usually where somebody's murdered somebody. But you know what? In this instance, this guy had. He had every ability to be a good guy, and he was nothing but an asshole and used his money to be an asshole, and I, I just don't like it. So at the end of the day, I'm going to jump him up. I originally started him at a 6.75. He's jumping up to an 8.2. Oh, shit. Final he got a body so. on his ass. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Love get him it. higher than Pat Robertson. Yeah. yeah, I put him higher than Pat Robertson. He didn't have a diamond mind out in uh, Scott Peterson. Is it higher than Scott? What is Scott? What do we got Scott Peters in that? <laughs> well, we'll find he, out. He may not have murdered her, though. There is uh, some wiggle room there. <laughs> it's so small. It is. It's super small. <laughs> Did he ever get the fruit basket? That's I know. What I we still want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is no. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, right, right above them is Harvey Weinstein and John Gotti. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey. That's hey. It. We'll see where he school. actually Absolutely. averages out stand on the three of us. by your score. Oh, I do. 8.2. <laughs> All right. Mikey, what you got? Um. Yeah, Steve Jobs is like born under a bad sign. That dude was just a. He was a bad apple, dude. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, uh, uh, I sincerely did not mean to do that. <laughs> but for real, um, he yeah, he's a dick. He's a weird person. That I think he really, really relished fucking with people. Like I think 
that he just loved doing that shit. He liked to make people uncomfortable, make them feel like, uh, you know, less of a person. He loved to humiliate people. Superiority complex. Yeah. He definitely and, had that, like, us and them mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. Even, with, like you said, parking spots, just his whole just to fuck with people. persona. I mean, that's I what think, I hate the most. I hate that kind of person. I think that the one of the most indicative stories is that one with Guy Kawasaki, where he made both of them feel like shit yeah. and just was just like, literally, like, this is the best day of the week for me. <laughs> I'm picturing him like, going home and like beating off to that like oh oh, oh that was so awesome see how humiliated they both oh. were i was in control of the situation yeah <laughs> things were going well at that time <laughs> somebody passed me a fart whip it oh yes but <laughs> johnny fart um i whip it <laughs> <laughs> oh god i got pink eye i love it um i'm gonna i'm gonna score him at a 7.25 like i said he didn't he didn't kill anybody you know apple products are pretty cool i guess um, you know, they're not like I don't I don't live like an Apple lifestyle or anything like that, but they make a pretty good phone. So yeah, seven point two five. He's a dick. All right. With a seven point one five from Randy, an eight point two from Buddy, and a seven point two five from Mikey, Steve Jobs final asshole score is a seven point five. Okay. Right. Where does that land him on the scale, Randy? Seven point five. He's just above Charlie Sheen and just below Takashi six nine. <laughs> weird weird group imagine getting in an elevator with those three and the other the next closest is don king uh, yeah, yeah the don king. I, I like that yeah, yeah. That's, that's good company yeah yeah all right awesome all right we hope you enjoyed this episode of asshole court guys check us out over on patreon.com slash ahc podcast type that into your browser find us and get hooked up with our conspiracy court shows uh all new episodes Every month, uh, get part of the Sticker and Swag Club. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Giving shout-outs to all of our listeners. And those that have already joined the party, you are part of the cool kids. And we appreciate you so much. So uh, check it out again. Patreon.com slash podcast. Be good to one another. We will see you next time on Asshole Court. Asshole Court.